0: Treehouse, episode 32, Jay Pinkerton Snoopington, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper.
1: Yes, here we go again. Good morning, everybody. Uh, three hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And uh, we can legitimately do this, which we've always shied away from Pep, saying, hey, Pep, how you doing? Because normally okay. we'd, we'd have been sitting with each other for ages mm. beforehand, but we haven't here. So uh, if you've not heard the show before, I can't help you. So, uh, But today, as you know, we do look back at... Um, some of the things that in, in the highways and byways that perhaps hmm. that they like call the mainstream media peps they uh, uh-huh. uh, you, you're looking good but there's a brand new um, it's a brand new laptop you're working yes. from isn't it Yeah, because I saw your anguished cries on on Twitter. Somebody gift somebody gift somebody somebody gift me.
0: Oh, and then I got trapped into a conversation between people who really know their laptop (laughs) stuff. About well, if you're gonna have a processor with eight MBs, then you're gonna have to get oh. oh. When
1: I saw your anguished tweet, I thought that's it's not worth it. I don't care if, if you know Steve Jobs himself says to you, here's the I mean you're stuck in the hell. Anyway, we we try not to look uh, down we always look up on here so uh, uh, um, amongst various things Uh, so Washington Irving right Washington Irving today uh, was born and Washington Irving uh, wrote Rip Van Winkle in 1819 Now, did he oh okay now see I did that I did that and then because I'm the eye that never sleeps I thought well what do I know about Rip Van Winkle only from cartoons Uh, what, what do you know of Rip Van Winkle perhaps what do you know of Rip Van Winkle he slept a lot Yes, that's it. That's it. But what? It's a book, and, <laughs> and and here we are passing through this veil of tears, and never once, I suspect, do people think Rip Van Winkle? I mean, Huckleberry Finn he gets all the heat, but Rip Van Winkle you don't know about. So what did I do? I looked it up. I didn't read it. I looked it up. I was up. going to
0: say you've had two days to read
1: it's, Rip Van Winkle. No, it's it, it, it's 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 a very thin tome anyway. I know it's <laughs> eighteen nineteen, and, and and Caxton had only just you know re- legged it down the patent office, but um this is this is in if you stay with us everyone, the show starts in a second the this is a precy of rip van Winkle now see if, if you 're a publisher here i am washington Irving, sound i 've got something hot for you here mm-hmm. right it's something hot for you it's based on my, uh, my 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 grandfather who came to this country uh, the, of the Van Winkle family and he was oh, uh, okay anyway so uh, Rip Van Winkle has a row with his wife because she says he's idle. So he goes off to the mountains to seek solace and he discovers a cave where strangely dressed men are playing skittles. They give him some booze. He falls asleep and he wakes up 20 years later with a huge long beard. He goes back to his village. Uh, The revolution has taken place and George has been thrown out. Uh, But he's pleased with this and he sees pictures of George Washington everywhere. They tell him his wife has died. He doesn't mind this, and he goes back to his idle ways. That is Rip Van. W- That's it. That's it. Now I've I've sat in pitch meetings before. I wouldn't go in with that. Not even now. Even today, see, when everything gets made and reimagined, there's nothing there.
0: Everything in those days was an allegory for something or other. But even this I'm truth. struggling with that. Don't this go to fair. bed for twenty years. It'll all be better when you wake up.
1: This is about some uh, lazy bee who goes off into the mountains, uh, gets drunk, comes back 20 years later, finds mum's gone, thinks, OK, fair play, let's carry on. That's it. There's no arc. That's a flat line. So that's your Rip Van Winkle, today in 1819. But really today is, uh, I, I suspect, postage stamps and parks are being dedicated because this is the day that Pope Formosus resigned in 1896. Formosus Formosus.
0: Formosus? In which year? In
1: 896.
0: Oh, okay. Early one. His,
1: his uncle, who was his sponsor, and stay with this because there's plenty here, plenty. His uncle was Charles the Bold. Charles the Bold. <laughs> he, he ruled all France. Have you, have you heard of Charles the Bold? <laughs> no. Oh, well, have a look, Charles. See, that's that's what... When I read that, uh, I must say, I sucked an angry tooth. Charles the Bald, no-one's ever heard of him. When I started going bald, everybody heard about it suddenly. That's what I found out. Charles the Bald, ruled all of France. Anyway, uh, Formosus had to resign today in oh, 896. why? Because he despoiled the cloisters. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a line Ken Dodd would have had to... I mean, popes it.
0: were a little more... Um fruity
1: in those days weren't they well it, it, it's not so much what pope Formosus, because there, there's there's plotting you know in the vatican apparently lots of plotting goes on uh and even though he was related to charles the bold <coughs> uh, i'll tell you what i found I promise you the show i still we got so many great emails from it and that's the lifeblood blood of the show audience collectively rolls eyes uh, uh but uh, uh i'll tell you what i found out uh but only about three weeks ago that you know when you, people say they lose a limb and they think it's still there.
0: Oh yes, a phantom limb.
1: Yes, a phantom. I've got phantom hair, and I don't say that just. A, I, I noticed only about three weeks ago. I was in the shower, and whatever jollops around, uh, and you can tell we're in extraordinary times. I saw a, a supermarket owned brand shampoo. That <gasps> never happens. And I know the girls. Oh, the, the, well, my girls are go, going through it. Don't worry about that. Have the
0: shades uh, of Blackheath been thus polluted? It was,
1: it, <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, Ooh. what I do, and I don't make anyone feel sick here, but what I normally do in the shower, and I, I squirt a goodly amount you know, in, in, into the palm of my hand, and I realized three weeks ago, I then apply it to the top of my head. Out of habit, there is no hair on the top of my head. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm effectively using it as soap. And then I go around to the sides where there is hair. But it's diminished by then. And and I I was I found I, I must think I have phantom hair. I've been I've been bald twenty years, good twenty years. Still, rub the top of my head first. Damn. It needs
0: a clean. I mean, <laughs> not no, yeah, you but you wear a lot as, of hats, you know, that, the uh, uh, as,
1: dust I, and I, I, all sorts. But as they say, when you start going bald, you know, <laughs> you've got less hair to wash, but a lot more face for the flannel, you know. And anyway. <laughs> So uh, Charles the Bald, and here's now, and I promise, then the show starts. Yeah, so uh, I nearly thought, well, that's plenty there. There's plenty there. Uh, Pope Bonnyface took over, and that lovely? Oh, Bonnyface. You know? Bonnyface <laughs> took over. But then uh, followed the Cadaver Synod. Ever heard of
0: the Cadaver? <laughs> As in dead body?
1: As in dead body. Because uh, people started saying, that Formosus, he was no good, was he? He was no good, because he was dead by then, Formosus. He mm. was no good. We should dig him up and put him on trial. And they dug him up, and they put him on trial. They clad him in papal vestments, sat him on the throne, and he faced all charges <laughs> that were way ahead of all Yeah, yeah. There's a, you put cadaver synod in, But this is the beginning of the tale. See, this is where Washington Irving, with his Rip Van Winkle, didn't have any imagination at all, because in real life, uh, this was going on. They dug him up, perhaps. Yeah, uh, this is a
0: much better pitch. Isn't it? isn't it? Isn't
1: he yeah. you know, well it? He's got dug up. They dug him up. Uh, all his, he was found guilty. All his decisions and rulings were reversed. His clothes were taken off him, and he was thrown in the River Tiber. Right. So there, there's. Oh. There, there, but, but he was retrieved by a monk, right, who kept his body. And then, following Pope Stephen's death, he was reinterred. They buried oh, him. come, come. He was reinterred at St. Peter's Basilica. This, but this meant. And stay with this, everyone, that everyone here made a bishop who was chucked out of being a bishop because all his rules were reversed, right? They were suddenly bishops again. <laughs> and they turned around and said, well, what about all the rulings I made, I made him a, I made him a bishop too, and, and there was it says on, when I was reading this, there followed a period of much confusion. <laughs> so everyone was running around saying, "So where are we?" It's, it's rather like when the Premier League starts again. It's exactly the allegory for that. Uh, they all the big old cabinet reshuffle, but, they, but with they dead bodies. They all wanted their gigs restored. Uh, it was a period of confusion, but then Pope Sergius came along, and he, Oh
0: no! This is a good name. This is this. Surge- some
1: strong names here. Pope Sergius came along, and he said, uh, "You know what? That 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 Formosus, who they threw in the tiber, then uh, reinterred him. Yeah, I actually think he was a wrong one. So, guess what
0: they did? Oh, come off it!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> they dug him up again. He was tried, found guilty, and this time beheaded. They were way ahead back then. because
0: so t- they didn't have telly. They, <laughs> like, what else are we going to do? Oh, yeah, and well,
1: why? Why hasn't this uh, been on one of the uh, Netflixy channels? Because of that, my friends, that's not your Rip Van Winkle. What are we doing today, peps?
0: Uh, we are... Oh, do you know what? We have... Uh, hang on. My what? topics are on me other... Hang on. I'm in the <laughs> cupboard. I'd like
1: to say, if you've only just joined this series, there's, there are, you know, there'll be better shows than this, I dare say. It might turn around. Uh, I don't know. But, but uh, Here we go. Uh, this, is, this is pretty much how we handle it. Well, these it. are the
0: same subjects we had uh, earlier in the week. And then yes, we'll set some new ones. So the okay. first words you ever said to your partner, or their oh. you, mm-hmm. uh, other uses for clothes. Mm-hmm. What have your pets found? And I've got a, a doozy for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, reasons you didn't buy a house. Mm-hmm. Why was a pop star in your front room? <laughs> And were you ever given lines at school? And if so, what?
1: If you wanted to go to... Um, we haven't got a website, have we, with all the subjects on? So that's something I'm going to get with those oh, blood bloodsuckers yeah. who pretend to bankroll us. We uh, we're getting an email of the website. All, all the subjects that people can cherry pick as they go. So give us give us one from that. Pepsi you said you had a pippin' a dandy. What one? I
0: did have a pippin' a dandy. It's uh, Here we go. This is from Duncan. By the way, Duncan Plunkett. Is, is an <laughs> exceptional name.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, Duncan. I do apologise. There's, you know, Mr and Mrs Plunkett given of a son. Called him Duncan and White. Dunk Plunk. Of course he was. Dunk Plunk. Why wouldn't you be? Go on.
0: I thought you would. I mean, he 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 gives away the uh, story right here in the first line. It's, I can't remember what that 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 is called in the mm-hmm. uh, in the biz. A spoiler. I thought you'd like to know about the day my chocolate Labrador Steve found a stash of cocaine oh go on we live in a small quiet village in cumbria and have a lovely but otherwise unremarkable dog but like most labradors will eat almost anything including insides of toilet rolls tea towels and socks (laughs) one lovely day my wife and i were taking steve on his usual walk along a quiet country lane that goes to another equally quiet village and is only really used by locals Steve was doing his usual sniffing around in the undergrowth, and we were about halfway when he became very interested in the bottom of a sandstone pillar at the entrance to a field. We thought he detected the scent of a fox or a badger, but then he began using his nose and paws to dig. We tried to walk on, but came back to see what he had found. Steve then arose tri- with triumph, with what, what looked like a colourful ball in his mouth. He was very excited and bouncing around and heading home. We couldn't get him to stand still or come near us. We couldn't figure out what it was. I said, it looks like a sock. Now Steve is a Labrador and if anything he likes more than socks, it's biscuits. So I offered Steve a biscuit and as he came close enough to ex- to, <laughs> to receive the biscuit, I exchanged the sock for biscuit. Oh. I was holding now a very colorful Simpson sock with a small tin inside. We came very quickly to a conclusion as to what this was, drugs. I wouldn't think that. You find a tin in a sock and think drugs. Yeah, suspicious mind. Um, you
1: know, any, anything, little soldiers or, or actual tobacco, let's say. These people have walked in the first place, Dunk the plunk. I do apologise. It's not that <laughs> his, his name's Duncan Plunkett, Uh and Pat.
0: Inside the tin, the type that used to have the boiled sweets with icing sugar on top, it became clear the sweets had been eaten and replaced with what I can only assume were wraps of cocaine, We've seen them on TV and we were pretty confident that's what they were. What will we do with them, said my wife. I said, we'll have to phone the police. My wife was aghast and said, we can't take them home. We might get raided. I said, this was highly unlikely as we would be calling to tip off the police themselves and grassing ourselves up. (laughs) The police were duly called. uh, And after an anxious wait of a couple of hours where we worried we could get raided by the police or the drug dealers.
1: Absolutely. That's That's your worry.
0: I was fingerprinted to eliminate them from inquiries and showed them where Steve, the wonder drug sniffing dog, had found them. In the end, the police got their man. They this is famous five business. They took a plaster cast of a footprint in the mud.
1: No, no. <laughs>
0: checked that and fingerprints from the tins to their file and arrested the culprit. The plaster cast was an identical match to the culprit's trainers and they even found the other Simpson sock. That, uh, it, it, that, that, that seems
1: extraordinary that they could take a plaster cast of a, of a footprint yeah. This this is like in um, uh, Tony Hancock's The Threatening Letters if anyone knows it when Kenneth Williams not really bothered about him as a police officer getting threatening letters and he says uh, let me examine that letter. He says what do you want to look at it for? He says because there might be a thread on it. Well, he said, a thread from somebody's jumper. And if we find a villain with a thread missing from his jumper, we've got him. And <laughs> this seems exactly the same thing. they got him from there. I'm like, Duncan, I appreciate your uh, uh, your civil duties there, but I wouldn't do that. See, that's, I promise you this is true, and I'm so sorry if this makes people say, oh, come on. I've always wanted to go to Mexico, but I won't. because oh, right. I won't because I told Wendy, I think I'm going to get mixed up in the rackets. Oh, okay. <laughs> You read that sort of thing. I, I somehow think... You with your little innocent face. I, well, that's what they'll say afterwards. A hard-boiled, you know, uh, gumshoe will say afterwards, yeah, he was a nice kid, but he got mixed up in the rackets. And I, that's why i have terrified of going to Mexico. You take one wrong turn in the wrong place, you're mixed up in the rackets. Uh, so uh, thank you very much indeed, Duncan. That was a tremendous, uh, a tremendous correspondent. <laughs> this is uh, extraordinary. Mm. Um, again, long-time listeners of the show will know that uh, we have... Several several causes we like to raise awareness of. Uh, cramp, uh, splinters. And this is about splinters. As uh, from uh, Richard. His name's Richard Fulham. And he says, that's my name, not my location. His name's Richard Fulham. You must be fed up for saying that. Well, I, I, again, on the uh, 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 podcast I've done for football and radio shows I've done for football over the years, uh, we've had people whose names sound a bit like a football team. This is right on the nose. Uh, we did have a, a woman called Debbie County Debbie County. Now you know Debbie County. Millicent Wall. I didn't believe. Not Millie Wall. I did no. not believe that. We certainly had Debbie County and uh, a several others. But anyway, Richard Fulham's in touch. He uh, said, a few weeks back uh, on the Titus Grown podcast, they've all got names, uh, you mentioned splinters. My maternal grandmother, a sturdy, no-nonsense Norfolk woman, once told me that splinters move through your body and gave an example of one that went into her finger one year and came out of her knee the next. What? Uh, I've never checked this medical provenance of only choosing instead to believe in good old-fashioned country wisdom. I don't... It's, it's uh, you know, God love and, and probably rest Richard Fulham's grandmother. <laughs> but they don't sail around your body. They do not sail around... Shrapnel might... There are people I I knew when I was a kid who said they always knew when it was going to rain because they had a bit of shrapnel that played up when the clouds got a bit of rheumatism. A bit of rheumatism. But whether... I don't believe splinters sail around your body like so much ocean cruiser and then dock in your knee and pop out again overnight. I'm thinking that was a separate splinter altogether.
0: Something else, perhaps? This is from Michael. This is... Do you know who you were just speaking to? Um, Mm. And bless him, he says episode three... Yes, it's very it's good it's of him it's to it's remind us. One of the us. subjects
1: there was you didn't realise until they departed who it was you were talking to.
0: And he does say, as a latecomer to podcasts, I was I stumbled across you at episode twenty-three, and I have now gone back to the start.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've Thank opted you. for you know who that was. You you know who that was. You were speaking to from episode three. This goes back to October nineteen eighty-five when I was in the sixth form at Catford Boys' School. Hmm. Being a sixth former meant you didn't have a full timetable and would naturally take advantage of that by leaving the premises more often than you probably should. On the day in question, me and my mate were on our way out of the school, probably going to WH Smith to buy some records, when we were stopped by a distinguished looking gentleman who appeared to be a man of the cloth. He asked me very politely if I could direct him to the school hall. Certainly, mate, I replied <laughs> and gave him directions up to the top of the school and proceeded out of our way out of uh, I oh, I can't speak today I'm out <laughs> of their gates
1: I was, I was going to say at the top of this Peps uh, when he says uh, I'm a newcomer to podcasts like we are seasoned old veterans <laughs> the pair of us look at each other with googly eyes every time we do one of these I know it's the future but, uh, uh, and here we all are but uh, uh, all of us are finding this uh, an extraordinary experiment continue Peps
0: this is when it was pointed out to be my, my friend that the man I had just addressed was Archbishop Desmond Tutu wow
1: now, I'd. Th- well, in civics, because you'd know with that purple thing you used to wear. Not thing, I'm doing the uh, uh, great gown of office. Mm. Uh, but uh, you'd think, well, yeah, you'd think you'd know that,
0: no? Noble Peace Prize winner Desmond Tutor in Catford. Apparently, he was to address the school in a special assembly. I love that Michael clearly played no attention in whatever, yeah. assembly or registration that day that Desmond Tutu was Desmond coming Tutu, in. Tutu, and he asked him for directions. It was clearly a big deal, and it was apparently... A leg- it became legendary in the history of the school, which has now been sadly demolished. Hmm. Years later, I learned how this had come to be. Desmond Tutu was a good friend of my O-level English teacher, a man by the name... Oh, and he says you'll know this. Mr Livingstone Mkotsi.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, because... He says
0: after leaving West Greenwich, Mr Mkotsi oh. came to Catford Boy's. Oh, say, Mr. McCotsey, uh, uh,
1: which is not how it's pronounced, and therein lies the tale. Uh, sorry, babe, but here we go again. Um, he... Um was a, a, it was from Lesotho, which was the first time I'd ever heard it. And he used to tell us about Lesotho and stuff. But our school was, you know, uh, our correspondent will say, even in Southeast London where the competition was stiff, it was notorious. <laughs> uh, and he made the terrible mistake once of saying, and about the, about the third or fourth time he took our class, he said, you, everyone calls me Mr McCotsey, He said, but it's not my name. Said, in Lesotho, that Q, because MQ... O- t- anyway, O-T-S-I, yeah. Yes. Uh, that Q is pronounced with a click of the tongue, like that. He oh. says. so my name is Mr. M- C. And we went, what? He said, Mr. M-C. And we all started going, and every time a poor fellow walked behind the corridor, everyone would... Oh, because, no. it was, it was, it was, you know, but clicking your tongue like that was fun before Nintendo. Uh, but he made the great mistake of saying, hello, Mr. McCoy, see, and he, and he looked and thought, I think I preferred it when they just did this <laughs> quiet cue in that. So good, I now know what happened to him. Hey, how about this, Peps? Um, mm. uh, there's just another, as, as we go by, Linus Yale, was uh, born today. Yale, not the university. Oh. The man who invented the lock ha uh, yeah, yeah, your key! Isn't that nice? He actually invented what is known as the cylinder lock because it looks like a tube of um, uh, polos or something. If you ever see those out of situ. Uh, he was... And that, that led me just to think, and a and, uh, previous uh, uh, conversation uh, about the rackets led me to believe. Do you think people really could open locks with hairpins? Have you ever seen... In, in films, you just take yeah. the pin out of your hair and uh, and open a lock. I don't think anyone's ever done that. We've got a lot of calls uh, and emails rather about uh, being locked in or locked out. But getting round that with a a hairpin... I've got one in my hair. I try and lock myself into this (laughs) cupboard. Can you do this?
0: Can you, is there a lock? No, there isn't a Yale on. one on there. No, no, in the
1: house I live in. They're, they're, they're it's only a latch. Villa. No, they're uh, like you the know, Euro uh, tunnel, the, the locks here. Uh, but anyway, uh, but this leads us on to uh, uh, our friend Michael. Michael Kelly gets in touch. and this is uh, We need some sadder music behind this, if you can get round to it, Phil. <laughs> it uh, says, in the early 60s, my mum worked part-time in a bingo hall and would get home about 4.30. My sister Christine and I, who was probably about eight while I was six, would walk home from school, carefully crossing two roads and look after ourselves until she got home we both had our front door keys on a string around our necks mum curiously had no key because we were there to let her in well one day chris and i were fighting as i had made her burn her cheese on toast for the second time and and i ran out of the front door to escape her wild fury which could be painful chris however followed after me and i'm not sure how but the door slammed behind us We no longer had strings around our necks. A mum would be home in about 15 minutes. There was no way back in. She would kill us. Bingo. (laughs) Then Chris had an idea. He says, I'm not sure if your flats were the same as mine. And they are, by the way. We lived on the ground floor and had a coal bunker with a chute that led from the front doorstep into the kitchen. This is absolutely true in the uh, flats, I think, were the last, in 57 hours were built, the last to have coal uh, chutes outside. Anyway, the coal chute would go into the kitchen and every week the coalman would dump the coal on the doorstep and Dad would shovel it into the chute. They could then pick it up in the kitchen and transfer it to the fire with a shovel and a coal scuttle. I'm just thinking, sorry, my mind, those are things that used to be by fireplaces. Fire irons. There's a little brush, wasn't There, tiny Mm -hmm. little poker, and uh, and a little shovel, and they used to be on a carousel.
0: Still, we still we have one downstairs for our own. You don't, yeah. Oh, just During our ad break, I'll go and fetch it for you. Please! I, I, I thought they just existed
1: in Alan Bennett plays. They're just absolutely... <laughs> well, I, my life is an Alan Bennett play, as you know. I, I used to get the uh, little brush and see how far c- close I could get to the fire, cos there was an open fire in the mm. council flats. Uh, and, of course, it would always be set fire to. My mum would say, ''Yeah, little sod, you're bleeding set fire to my brush again.'' Every time I try and do it, and all black stuff comes out of it. I'm oh, sorry, I've left our correspondent in midair. Anyway, so his sister said, Get in, uh, you get in the coal chute, and uh, uh, and she said, anyway, I'll go back to his letter. He says she had the bright idea. She said to me, open the chute, crawl into the kitchen, then you can come to the front door and open it. Well, this seemed like a great idea to me. I was six, remember. (laughs) Anyway, it was quite easy, to be honest. The bunker was reasonably empty, so I was in the kitchen in no time at all, pleased with myself, and I ran to the front door, took it off the catch, and opened it up, and we were in. Well, not really. Chris took one look at me and the sooty footprints on our brand new carpet behind and envisaged the mess in the kitchen as I crawled across it covered in soot. And she ran. She ran away, leaving me to carry the can. Mum and Julie arrived back and let her say she didn't greet the scene with a light laugh. Chris came home about ten minutes after Mum got back and what did she say? She said, I've been around my friends. I only left <gasps> in twenty minutes. I mean, it's so unfair. And that seems, thank you very much indeed, Michael, that seems like the kind of injustice that does stay with you down the years. She got in. I would never get over that. And she washed her hands three times of him. Hey, we may have a a sponsor in these days of uh, uh, hand washing. So, uh, Adverts, Peps, little Adverts. Yes, please. Let's do that. Also from something else.
0: Mel Gedroich is Quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories, all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... (laughs) Uh, This is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out... When he discovers that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. (laughs) Listen now in Apple Podcasts,
1: Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Welcome back, everybody. And true to her word, Peps is back. Louise Napoleon Pepper is back. <laughs> and I, uh, her view, because I can see Peps, is obscured by what looks like prison bars. But what are they?
0: That's my, It's my fire irons. There yeah, they so are. So you've got... Here we go. It's, <laughs> it's a big old cast iron. It's because we have a log fire. Uh, there's the... Um, Brush looking oh, a little dishevelled as you remember, yours. Tiny the blue-
1: brush. It looks like those things that are in in snooker matches. The judge <laughs> uh, the referee comes over every now and then and just dust the bays with it. Yeah. The tongs for uh, for any
0: coals. Uh-huh. Uh. uh The little shovel <laughs> <laughs> with, with ash. Um, what's this I, I, one? Oh, the poker. The poker. I could do some real damage with that. Look at that. that uh, man. Day.
1: Oh, oh. I just said uh, I, I don't don't. Uh, I'm going to have to say it out loud now because I I have no filter. I'm going straight on Amazon to look at their poker. Room. Oh, now you're talking. Well, also, <laughs> an extending
0: toasting fork. Thank you. Have you really? Now, when was the,
1: uh, Anyone again who's new to these shows probably thinks, well, what's this? We well,
0: because I am. Um...
1: This, my friends, this is exactly what this show was made for. Uh, That looks like a classic trident that Hot Stuff, the little devil, Mm -hmm. cartoon devil used to have. Uh, Uh, Because I'm roughly
0: 90 years old, I also have... No, no, just me. I have downstairs also my uh, little chestnut pan as well. Because this is what we did every Sunday with my nans, is yeah. toast toast the bread on the open fire and then do mm. hot chestnuts. And at Christmas, I still... You still do it? Oh, toast I, I thought... on an open fire. It's I, a different level. I would like oh, every single member of our it. audience. I <gasps> uh,
1: would like every inside. single member of our audience. We've got um, not a Facebook page, is it? What is it? We've got an Instagram page for the show, mm-hmm. haven't we? Okay. Yes. Uh, so I would like everybody to, uh, who's hearing me, mean, and try to do this for us, find the most useless item you have in your house. Don't take photos of your husbands, please. Uh, The most useless item you have in your house because I would like to see that chestnut pan because when, when aliens write the history of this long dead planet and that won't be too far away they say, why did civilization why did this uh, civilization come to an end? Because they wasted their time buying things like a chestnut pan I'm sorry, hey, perhaps It sorry. comes into
0: its own at Christmas let me tell <laughs> you
1: <laughs> Well, you know, so do uh, uh, fake white beards but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> I- I'm saying they're not an essential item uh, Doris Day, by the way Doris Day's uh, birthday. Uh, her last album she made when she was like 90, which is wonderful. Really? A, a really great West Coast album. The pipes were in absolutely superb. She's been gone about a year now. Uh, but Doris Day only found out she was 97 when she was 95. Now, at oh. first, I raised an eyebrow because it said documents were due saying, you were actually born in 1922. And she went, no, 1924. So I thought, well, every actress, of course, would you know, who could pass that test. But she genuinely didn't know. And she told she was 95... But she was 97, which at, point, at that point, it didn't matter. You know, if she'd have been claiming to be 29, they said, you're not, you're 31. Then that comes as a...
0: Well, all those um, Vaseline-lensed films start to make a little bit more sense when oh, she's meant she to be looked, the giddy, the giddy secretary brilliant. of 25, and she didn't write
1: was She she looked she she looked magnificent right up until she passed away. Uh, Mary Ann Kappelhoff. I've, t-
0: like, I've said to you before, my granddad had three different birthdays, two of them in different years. Yes you did tell us tell us again because again
1: born this in, subject about from, birthday confusion is brilliant.
0: Born in rural Ireland born in rural Ireland around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um and I think his mum missed the boat for you know when you've got to declare the birth. Oh so okay yes yeah, so they
1: yeah, yeah,
0: changed yeah. the date of the the day of his birthday so that she wasn't in trouble. But also somehow over the years you know they, this I mean Granddad was born in I mean nineteen fourteen, nineteen sixteen or something, mm-hmm. maybe even a bit earlier. Um so, or nineteen oh eight, maybe, Grenda. Doesn't matter. Um he never saw his birth certificate or anything like no, that. It, used to be and a it was big years deal. and years later, when deal. I think when he went to retire, and they sort of said to him, "No, you're a year older than you think you are." This is why they. I don't had know it. where it lost track. This At What point why... he had a double fourth birthday or whatever. I don't <laughs> know when that happened. This
1: is why the, the where the word "circa" comes into you know. Um, hmm. People used to be able to say before the forensic age we live in. You know, it never bothers me, but I I, I, I know one or two women who perhaps would enjoy the word circa coming back in because they say, well, when were you born? You say, oh, circa 1975. <laughs> know.
0: And that was a perfectly- it will
1: take five years. Yeah, I mean, I, when I looked up Pop- Formosa, his birth is circa, and that's fine. I think you should, I, I do think you know anyone who's getting into a relationship for the first time should always use the word circa. Uh, okay, so when's your birthday? Oh, circa June the second, nineteen eighty-three. <laughs> Another campaign the show can get behind. Uh, give us something over there, Peps. What you got?
0: This is from Chris and Kathy, um, a shortest holiday distance. This is going to be our only sort of uh, topical uh, mention at the moment. The the,
1: the shortest distance anyone's ever gone on holiday, yeah.
0: My girlfriend and I think we may have the shortest possible holiday distance next week. We are notoriously bad travellers. There is almost always an issue with flights and we are not strangers to a country closing its borders just after we've booked. (laughs) No surprise then that we booked flights to go to Italy next Monday. Oh, yeah. Almost immediately, it looked like coronavirus would rule that out and as it became more serious, we decided we wouldn't be travelling a while ago. So we set up a lovely trip to Yorkshire, where we would be visiting elderly relatives, seeing friends and family and doing lots of outside exercise. That plan went out the window almost as quickly as it was formed. Not to be deterred and determined to make the most of our booked annual leave, we have racked our brains as to how to go away in a lockdown. She's an NHS doctor and possibly will need to go to work at at some point next week anyway. So, on Sunday evening, we will pack our bags and we will be moving to... The spare bedroom. Bravo. I'm sure the change of scenery will be lovely. It is five paces from our normal bedroom (laughs) to our holiday (laughs) abode, and we have no guarantee of postcards or duty-free. Well, you you might
1: have heard the slight hollowness in my laughter there, because, you know, we will not if the schedule had carried on, uh, neither of us would have been talking to each other right now, because I am, at the moment, supposed to be with Wendy in Valencia as part of her birthday present. I know. Oh, the the room we booked, I could see it. Showed it, and all we keep doing at the moment, all we keep doing uh, until Sunday, we will be. is sent to each other I wonder what we'd be doing there.
0: Oh, don't! I do what it. we'd
1: have been doing there. <laughs> I know. We sat in there last night. We always at half past five. We both sit down, open the bottle, and sit in the, the room next door to here. And you know, we have a we chat for about forty-five minutes about this and that. All we said last night was. That table probably booked eight o'clock. I know I mean, just a Little stroll
0: from. down into the we town. We had
1: ocean view and
0: oh, you know, oh it was all there along the front.
1: That's no, and then and then you get round to well, when we'll do that again. <laughs> anyway, uh, all of us are kind of in that boat, but I'm in that boat perhaps a little more than others. Well, move
0: uh, into your spare bedroom and uh, Chris, I, I, you
1: know, will... I'm, I'm going to disqualify that. I don't. I, uh, nobody moves into the spare bedroom to go on holiday. Uh, this is uh, from our friend uh, Paul. Uh, And Paul says, uh, this is about people who've only got one autograph. Uh, He said, you spoke recently on a show about people who've only got one autograph. I was looking through a box of records earlier, finding some stuff to play uh, while I'm at work at home, and I noticed a Shadows single. It's called Rhythm and Greens. Yes, it is. It's on the Columbia label, and the 45 comes in a Columbia sleeve from the 60s. I looked at it. Everything was as it should be, but it was signed by Leslie Phillips. I have no idea how this could have happened. I looked online and yes, there is a single by him on the Columbia label. It's called The Man Most Likely To. Um, NB, here from it. I have it, of course. Uh, and <laughs> it's obviously become astray from its cover. Somebody had put the shadow single in it. Now all I need to do is find a copy of Leslie Phillips' record so it can be reunited with its sleeve. Anyway, this is the one and only autograph that I possess. Now, this beautiful story.
0: That's a lovely one to have. Everyone,
1: Anyone who collects records uh most of the audience put their hand up there anyway but anyone who collects records knows uh that uh, uh, it it makes you feel a bit ooky when you have a record that's not especially a single not in its proper sleeve Uh, sometimes when the sleeves become so ragged peps and i'm surrounded by them we are going to play a golden shot game as soon as the phones can be uh, instigated and we're just days away from that uh i uh, the, the sleeve will get ragged but i cannot put it in a new sleeve because they've been together most of these records 50 years and it don't seem a day too much so uh, (laughs) even if you do find the Leslie Phillips record uh, actually when you do let us know I've got a cover for the blues and greens if you want it so uh, uh, something else perhaps what you got there
0: well this is from Richard in uh, Froome in Somerset listening to Wednesday's show about the uh, corkscrews yes I was reminded of a 1978 Columbo episode murder (laughs) under glass where the murder weapon was an aforementioned air pressure cartridge 1970s corkscrew. Surely this has never happened before or since. I seem to recall it was called a flash cork. I always used to marvel at the ease with which Peter Falk managed to stick the needle in the cork and pop it out of the bottle. By the way, it also starred Louis Jordan of Gigi, and octopus oh, fame, who was oh. also equally adept. That's a beautiful contact. How lovely. Uh, However, a mate of mine's dad had one, and I once witnessed him spraying half a bottle of red wine around the kitchen <laughs> trying to open it.
1: Well, uh, if you want to go back one episode, uh, the old episodes that didn't, didn't sound as ramshackle as this. Let me put that another way. The old episodes used to sound as ramshackle. Shackle as this, but you can certainly find the uh, corkscrew special, which was which was our last one. Uh, that is a, a pretty desperate, um, inventive, but a pretty desperate murder weapon, I'd say. Uh,
0: well, uh, how long had Columbo been going by then? They're, they're running out of murder weapons well, it, at this it, point, t- surely. The
1: most preposterous death in a film, and, and I'm including Goldfinger when he gets sucked out of that window on the plane uh, as well. That, that was that used to freak me right out as a kid. You know, oh, and it goes out the window. <laughs> Off goes Gertrude. It rather relieved the tension. Uh, anyway, he, he went out the window of the plane, as you know. And t- since that day, I think most people who have seen that film don't like a window seat because they think it might pop, and out they go. Uh, no matter if they're as fat as Goldfinger, but the most preposterous film death uh, in the unlamented Godfather 3. Do you remember? Somebody gets killed with a pair of glasses. They come kind of... <laughs> I,
0: I know it... I've seen it, but I'm trying... Yeah,
1: it's the most ridiculous thing because everyone's frisked for guns and all of this. And in one scene, it takes a pair of glasses, sort of smashes them and, and cuts starts stabbing the other fellow. with. I know it's grisly, but nevertheless, uh, that... Is the writer sitting around saying, well, look, oh, okay, it's the old lock-run mystery. What does he kill him with? His What's glasses. Got? His glasses. But uh, uh, one more thing I'm just going to bring us as well here before the day passes, because I like to be accurate. Uh, today, in 1931, the BBC banned its first record, said, no, no we're not playing that. In which year, sorry? 31. Uh,
0: 31?
1: 31 Fun. was the first time the BBC has said, no, that record's are filthy and it's suggestive and it's not in good taste, we're banning it. And it was the great Leslie Seroni, whom God preserve. And he made a record, which has since forgotten it was a record. And it's just become a catch, a, a phrase in normal life. The record was called Umpa Oompa Stick It Up Your Jumper. And that was, it was actually called Umpa Oompa. But because he's the chorus, he said, stick it up your jumper. The BBC clutched its pearls. And Mr. Seroni was, you know, in, in the thought, word and gesture was berated, but that was the first record they banned equally no it's ridiculous the BBC it's started.
0: in I Am The Walrus as well isn't it they do it in the background is it yeah oomper, a- oomper oomper stick oomper, it up, oomper, stick oomper, it up oomper,
1: jump, people used to say before swearing oh yeah
0: and, and do the and do the the, the thing yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Peps just did it
1: <laughs> Stop a jumper. stick that up your jumper my mum used to have a variation on that it was up your kilt up your bleeding kilt That's <laughs> it. Uh, up your bleeding kilt uh, and as I think I said the other week whenever you asked her wear anything was it it would be under a bleeding arm that was it Mum, see my headphones, you're under me bleeding arm. Mum, you wouldn't go around the shop for us, would you? Up your bleeding kilt. Anyway, umpa, umpa, stick it up your jumper. Banned by the BBC. The most ridiculous one they ever banned, by the way, was the Coasters, Charlie Brown. Because it mentions the American term, spitball. A spitball. BBC bandit. No, I'm not in the word spitball broadcast, thank you. But public uh, uh, outrage at this, you know, nanny state thing made the BBC do a humiliating climb down two weeks later and the coasters did get broadcast. (laughs) Sitting around here waiting for the BBC to do a humiliating climb down. No no sign of it just yet. Uh, Something else, Peps?
0: This is from uh, Tim in Durham. Weird and wonderful names. Mm Mm-hmm. Can I make you aware of a person I was introduced to in a student cafeteria at Norwich City College in 1983? My best mate Leslie was doing engineering and I was learning to become a qualified chef. And at break time at 10.30, the cafeteria would be bustling with chefs in full whites and engineers in greasy overalls. I used to meet up with my best mate and one time he introduced me to one of his classmates. Now, when I heard his name, I knew I shouldn't have laughed. And after 35 years of guilt, I still wish I hadn't. But even to this day, this name has never been forgotten. I was introduced to Quentin Starbuck. Oh, that's, that's a terrific name. Uh, Absolutely I terrific. apologise now to Quentin for youthful ignorance because this is clearly the best name I've ever heard.
1: Wow, it is. No, I'll tell you what, that one you sent to me in the week that was on Twitter, he was being interviewed on American <gasps> television. His name, ladies and gentlemen, for the people who didn't see it, if you, don't, my, you remember it, Pebs, don't you? D'Artagnan Raspberry. His name, ladies and gentlemen, was D'Artagnan Raspberry. And, and this is not a sketch. He was, I think he was a law enforcement fellow in America. And he was holding one of those press conferences. And underneath it, his name was given, you know, Detective D'Artagnan Raspberry. And I'll say it again. Mr. and Mrs. Raspberry, given of a son, called him D'Artagnan. <laughs> Now, I've got a backlog here of like 30 or 40 great emails, and I apologise, everyone. Uh, we genuinely, one of these times, we'll just come on the air, bang! Never mind Rip Van Winkle, never mind Pope Formosus, wherever he is now. We'll have to check on his current status, by the way. He's either, he's either a saint or, or he's floating down the, the, the river Seine. Anyway, but um, uh, uh, because this great one here from Heather. Heather, I apologise, it's about uh, Elsie the dog, and we'll start the next show with that. Uh, but uh, please, please always get in touch about anything, but particularly, I mean, what was the, the subjects we were doing this week? And I thought a have sank great on that. Uh, give us the subjects again, Peps. I know it's a terrible thing to throw at.
0: We'll do some new ones after this, shall we'll
1: we? Us- oh, always at the end of the show, I know you switch off because you think the credits are there, and the, the, you, the people think the national anthem's going to play and they're going to have to stand to attention. It doesn't, but Peps comes on saying next time and gives all the subjects,
0: yeah. So when you hear the yeah, um, you, you, I, I do follow afterwards. So should we give them new ones instead? No, just for a second. Me... Oh, you want but the old one ones? one on
1: there and I thought, come on, audience. I'm doing all the heavy lifting here with Pebs. So could give <laughs> us at least something on that. What is, the what... first
0: words you ever said to your partner or they, you.
1: I've got some great ones on that. That's good.
0: Other uses for clothes. What haven't had much on there. Come on, other
1: uses for clothes. Pretty tight, generally. Tights. I mean, girls used to use tights to play. A great game where you put a tennis ball in one leg of it. And tie the other one. Oh, yes. And, and there's a swing over. that around. Yes. Brilliant game. Girls' games were so far ahead. We'll do that again next time, perhaps. What else, Pabs?
0: Uh, what have pets found? Mm reasons you didn't buy a house Mm -hmm. why was a pop star in your front room and were you ever given lines at school
1: were you ever given lines we've got quite a few on that but all of those come on sorry I shouldn't berate the audience I know that but I do feel the treehouse you know we're a family and you can shout out to your brothers and sisters can't you Uh, but that'll do us I I think just for now as I say we'll start with Heather's next time Uh, this entire show of course is dedicated to Washington Irving and Rip Van Winkle uh, and indeed uh, uh, the the Cadaver Synod but in the meantime if we played the theme tune now. Thank you very much indeed, Louise, Pepper Napoleon, uh, very uh, remotely doing the show with me, of course, uh, out there, uh, Phil Wilding and, and Josh for something else. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, chiefly yourselves.
0: Next time on the Treehouse. What have you slept through? Notable career changes, evidence you may have lived before, and born in neither home nor hospital.